0: Spirit that raised you from the dead dwells within us. (laughs) Lord, we honor you.
1: We bless your name, oh God. We bless your name, oh God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are Jesus. You are Jesus.
0: My wife and I were talking yesterday in the truck. We were just sitting. We were actually coming for rehearsal, and we came a little early, and we just sat in the truck and talked for a while. And... And I was reminded and she reminded me there was a trip that she had taken before we had got married and she went to Kosovo on a missions trip and it was during the time where just war and everything was just chaotic and ruins buildings destroyed and they went into this area where they there was just a foundation that was left over from a building that that was blown up and uh, they were setting up a stage and speakers and lighting and everything to do an outreach in that area. And it was during that time that there was shooting that started happening around that area and everybody just ducked. And the first thing that for whatever reason she called out, she just called out dad. And whether it was her dad or it was father God, (laughs) it's just dad was the the word that she said And what was kind of crazy is obviously different time zone and back in America in little Holdridge, Nebraska, they tried to, I think they looked at the timeline and it saw that her dad woke up at this um, time and just started praying for her. And obviously everything was fine. But as we were talking about that yesterday, I just was thinking about the amazing power that we have in our tongue the life that we can speak, the life that we can give, the life that we can destroy with our tongue. There is death and life, the power of the tongue.
1: But when I speak the name of Jesus, I don't have to go
0: through loops to get to my God. I can just call out the name of Jesus. Is there anybody in agreement with me this morning? Come on.
1: We can just call out the name of Jesus, our Abba Father.
0: Our God is above all gods, our King that's above all kings. This morning, there may be some of you that just need to call on Jesus. Can we just take this moment, lift our hands and lift our voice and just say, Jesus, Abba Father, I need you this morning. No matter what situation may be happening in my life right now, there may be war that's going on around me, and I choose to speak the name of Jesus.
1: There's power in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's victory in the name. There's peace in the name. There's healing in the name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus oh how I love that name it's the sweetest name I know we sing majesty we sing holy we sing holy we sing holy
0: morning, amen.
2: claps. We all clap. Come on. Have you ever been in that spot where you went to give someone a high five and they didn't return it? I won't leave them hanging. Even if you don't agree, just encourage them. Um, we are signing up for connect groups. And I don't know, I'm sure every one of us have been in a spot sometime that you just wish there was somewhere you could go that someone would listen to you. (laughs) During the message, that's not gonna happen. But there are other places for that to happen. And small groups, our connect groups, are the place for that to happen. So we really wanna encourage you to get involved. And um, here's, have you ever heard this story about the guy that was stuck in a flood And he was praying for God to save him. It's an old, old story. How many have heard that? Has anyone not heard it? One, that's all I need. (laughs) So the neighbor comes by in a rowboat and he said, No, God's going to save me. He has to go up to the second floor. The flood keeps climbing. A motorboat comes by with um, the rescue teams. He's, No, God's going to save me. Goes up on the roof. And the water gets up on the roof. A helicopter comes over and he said, no, God's going to save me. And he drowns. He goes to heaven and he said, God, I thought you were going to save me. And God said, I tried three times. We call that small groups. (laughs) Not the drowning, the rescuing. (laughs) The rescuing. I want to make sure you got that application correct. So people will say, well, I don't have any friends. Connect groups. I wish there was someone to pray for me, connect groups. I wish someone who was in the hospital, connect groups. I wish um, someone would, you know, be concerned about what's going on in my life. Know my kid's name, connect groups. How many are hearing me? There. Connect groups. So I want you to be in a connect group. Get uh, involved and let's see what God will do. Well, we're talking about how God moves in mysterious ways. God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. And that's in Malachi chapter 12. Um, It's not in the Bible at all. It's from a song that we talked about last week. God works in mysterious ways. And my goal in this series is to give you hope that... Bless you. (laughs) Wow. Um, Sorry, I got distracted. Squirrel. (laughs) What was I talking about? God works in mysterious ways. And there are times when you feel like God's not working at all and life doesn't make sense. How many have been there? Come on, this morning. I mean, things happen. And I want you to see that the steps of a good man or woman are ordered of the Lord. Whether you know it or not, your steps are being ordered of the Lord. I remember when I was in Bible college and that verse really got a hold of me. And I thought, God, I want you to order my steps. How do I know if my steps are being ordered? And he and, and reminded me, Scripture doesn't say that your steps are at your discretion to align with the Lord, it says that He orders your steps. He's in charge of that. Wherever you go and whatever you do, and that's not Calvinism, it's foreknowledge. God knows everything about you. He knows where you're going to go, and he's ordered circumstances around you. And so don't despair when life is mysterious, when it doesn't make sense. God is at work. And we talked about last week, unexplainable delay. Why did Jesus wait? That didn't make any sense to the disciples when he got word that Lazarus was sick And he waited for two days. Well, we began to look at that and what that means, that in unexplainable delays, God is still at work. This morning, I want you to think about times of um, um, closed doors, when doors don't open, when things all around you seem to shut. I've heard it said, and you may have this on your wall, and I don't mean to offend you, but someone said when God closes one door, he opens another. That's not true. That's not true. Sometimes when God closes one door, he closes another, and another, and another. And it's in those closed doors moments that we have to say, God, what are you doing? What is happening here? It doesn't make sense to me in our first assignment in ministry there were three doors that opened one in our home church one in texas and one in indiana and the only one i knew for sure wasn't the will of god was my home church i'm not going back there um i didn't really i didn't have any desire to be around my family I didn't have any desire to go back to my home church. There were a lot of things that I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be little Gary back in the home church. How many know what I'm talking about? Prophets without honor in his own country. I didn't want honor, but I didn't want disrespect. And so we prayed about that, and I prayed about that. Carol and I talked about it, and just the only place where there was a burden was to go back to my home church. And when we got there, we understood over the next four years what God was doing, what he was why he sent us back there. And it wasn't for the church, it was for me. It was for some things to happen to get healed up. He worked through a closed door. We came to the end of that four year period and I was at the altar praying on a Sunday night and I just felt like God was saying it's time to go. It's time to leave, it's time to move. And so I said, well God, I don't wanna be the guy that sends out 100 resumes or knocks on doors or tries to sell myself. If you want us to go, then I need you to open a door. I need you to open that door. That time, the lead pastor and I would go in the mornings, I think it was three mornings a week, to the gym, a men's exercise class, and he picked me up. Now, I prayed this on Sunday night. How many are with me right now? You got to get this because the next point is really important. It's Monday morning. How many know that Monday morning follows Sunday night? got that? All right. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. He picks me up. We're on our way to the YMCA. And he said, hey, if a good church opened, would you be interested? I don't know what you do with that, but I call that answered prayer. Wouldn't you call that answer? Looks like an open door. Well, what's the good church? And he told me where it was. And I, I wasn't sure it was a good church, but I believed him. He had pastored there, some of my heroes had pastored there and I thought that'd be a great place to start. It was in a little bitty town in Iowa that had, uh, I think it might have had a gas station and a bar and four churches, (laughs) I think. We went there for an outreach and we canvassed the entire town in about 45 minutes. But I thought, God, wherever you want us to start, I'm willing to go there and you seem to open that door and so we made arrangements to go. And when we got there, preached, it felt like it went well, interviewed with the board. And then we had to leave. That We couldn't stay in the building. We had to leave while they had a discussion. And so where do you go in a small Iowa town? I can't go to the bar and the gas station's closed. And you can drive around town in about 90 seconds. So we're driving around town. Nope, nobody's at the door yet. No, nobody's at the door yet. Pulled up and waited. I walk up to the door and one of the board members meets me. They won't even let me inside. And they said, you didn't get elected. Listen, (laughs) that'll destroy your ego. And so, I mean, I thought God was in all of that. So then you go a little further, and we feel like, well, God's moving, and the superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Iowa called. And he said, if a church opened, would you be interested? Yeah, that sounds like an open door. I don't know what happened there, but it sounds like an open door. And so he said, well, on this particular Sunday, gave me a date, I was supposed to go there and candidate. That's what we call it. We preach and then they vote. What a what a horrible system! But that's another discussion. Every pastor ought to have uh, carry. Every preacher ought to have one good sermon to get elected. You know, you gotta have one. And so I'm. Um, it's the night before. It's Saturday. May have been Friday, but it's a better story if I say Saturday. Carol's at a women's retreat the Saturday before we're supposed to speak. And so as far as I know, we're going, we had the date, we're going to go there. And she called me and said, "Uh, something's amiss. Uh, They're doing the farewell for the pastor Sunday. I don't think you're preaching. They're doing the farewell. So as a friend, I called him and And he said, oh, yeah, they're doing the farewell Sunday. It's our last Sunday, big potluck, all that. Do you know how dumb I'd have felt if I'd walked in there thinking I was going to candidate while they're having the farewell? And so I thought, well, I must have missed something. The superintendent never called me again, never filed up the check. I didn't hear anything until I heard in the grapevine that they'd elected a new pastor. Both of those doors slammed shut in my face. And that can be really frustrating. Come on, is there anyone in the house? You apply for a job, and the door slams shut. You try to make a business deal, and the door slams shut. It's like all signals are go, even seems as though God was saying, this is an open door. And you begin to question yourself, did I mess up? Not if you believe the steps of a good man are order to the Lord, that God is doing something in that. Now, I will tell you, the first church, I was so glad, so glad that we didn't go there hallelujah that was the mercy of God the second place I don't know what to think about that uh, we didn't go there oh I need can I finish the story because we we did go somewhere superintendent called again never talked about the, the church he talked to me about but said there's a church that's open yeah I've heard this before <laughs> would you be interested I don't know whether I would be or not, and so he set up for me to go preach. We went and preached, and uh, he talked to me about it and uh, said, uh, you, need to de- <laughs> you need to decide this week. I said, well, how'd the vote go? He said, you didn't get it, but I'm going to appoint you. I mean, this is just going, like, downhill. I said, well, I got to think about it. He said, well, there's somebody else interested. I said, let them go try. So that, I mean, I don't know. So they preached and they said, we don't want to go there. So we got appointed. And it was six years of wonderful ministry. That was the place that God had for us. Now, why all that? Let me just tell you another little piece of that to show you how God works even in closed doors. And then we'll get to what matters, scripture. But (laughs) during that time that we were looking where we were going to go, Um, my wife played all through high school, a flute. I played trumpet. Neither of us, neither one of us played piano. And when God spoke that we were going to move to a new place, she decided to take piano lessons. And I said, well, why? She said, because (laughs) pastors will understand this. I don't want you held hostage by the pianist. Because what's liable to happen will get there, and if you don't do what they want, then she'll just leave, and I'm going to make sure that the pianist doesn't hold you hostage. Now, we don't have any of those like that here, but that does happen in small churches. And so she started taking piano lessons for about a year. One year of piano lessons, we go to this church. They have a pianist and an organist, and it's wonderful, for just a few weeks. And then the pianist got mad and left and went to the Mormon church. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, it really happened just like that. And so Carol started to play. And so on Sunday, in those days, we still had hymn books and we had a chorus book. And she would pick out three hymns and a chorus. I mean, that was called, I mean, that's when the glory fell. Three hymns fell on the chorus. And she said, we'll do these three songs. And remember, I wasn't going to be held hostage by the pianist. Well, now I am being held hostage by the pianist. (laughs) Three songs in a chorus, and she said, if you throw anything else in, I will kill you. (laughs) But why was that? God was getting us ready. Sometimes open doors and closed doors are, 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 we have to understand that God's directing our steps. And so I really feel like there's someone that God spoke would be here today or watching online that their doors slamming in your face and you're frustrated and you're doubting whether God's working or why is this happening to me? And I want you to know that God is the sovereign God of the universe. And if he can hold all things together by the word of his power, he can manage your life. What do you do with the closed doors? Well, let's go to Acts chapter 16. Go to your Uh, Open your Bible or go to your digital device. We'll be in Acts 16 this morning. Helen Keller said this, when one door closes, another opens. Now think about this. But often we look so long, so regretfully upon the closed door that we fail to see one that is open for us. That's really good. When one door closes, another opens, but often we look so long, so regretfully upon the closed door that we fail to see the one that is opened for us. When you thought a door would open, when it does open and then seems to slam shut, it can be spiritually confusing. All right, first five verses of Acts chapter 16. I want you to understand this, that open doors don't last forever. Open doors don't last forever. In Acts chapter 16, Paul is on a journey to take information to the churches about what they had decided the Gentiles needed to do so that these two groups could be integrated. He brings with them a young man named Timothy, whose mother was a Jew, father is a Greek, And because the father was a Greek, he had not entered into the rites of Jewish um, faith. So Paul takes him to the temple, has him circumcised, has him uh, really become a part of the Jewish faith, at least not in conflict with that, because they're doing everything that they know to do To make sure that doors are open to the message. And when you shut a door because you're being belligerent, or you shut a door because you're being rude, you shut a door because you're just not being smart, that's not God's fault. If you want doors to open and you want to be successful, there are times we do need to plan. We need to do the right thing. And it's always on us to do what we know to do. If you know what to do today, then do what you know to do today and leave the rest with God. And Paul made natural plans, a sound strategy, and they're going to fulfill the responsibility that's been given to them. They don't want to offend the Jews that are in the area, so they do the things that make sense. And I will tell you, there are times that success in everyday life may happen serendipitously, but most of the time, success happens by planning. If you want to be successful, make a plan and then work the plan. Do what you know to do. God God isn't going to just drop success on you or favor on you without you doing what you know to do. There are times that you need to take some steps. Paul doesn't have a word from God. He simply looks at the environment. We're going in this area. I want to raise up Timothy. Here's what we need to do. Here's the plan. Here's the strategy. Let's do it. And it worked times that it works, that God is working through your human endeavor. They fulfill their assignment. They're carrying a message from the mother church it could have been a controversial assignment because there's tension between the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers and all of the baggage that the Jews are bringing into faith and Gentiles that don't have any of that baggage. And when you're trying to merge those two groups, that can be really, really difficult. I'll tell you what I know about church mergers. When you merge two churches, one that's 100 in attendance and one that's 100 in attendance, and you put them together, you'll end up with a church that's 100 in attendance. Mergers tend to not produce growth. When you put groups together that are not um, homogeneous, they tend to divide, and some leave and some stay, and so they've got a really controversial assignment that they've been given. But it tells us that... As they were sent by the church, as they strategized, as they did their best, God blessed and prospered their efforts. The Bible says, as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. And what happened, the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew in numbers. And that's what you want to have happen. What could have been controversial, what could have caused more division, what could have failed, because... Because a man had direction from the elders, submitted to that direction, and then came up with a strategy and fulfilled it to the best of his ability. God worked through that, and the churches grew, and people came to faith in Christ, and that is the will of God. But you know what happens to us? We think that momentum should be eternal. We think that one win guarantees another win. We think that because we did well here, we can do well there. The Peter Principle describes it this way: People are promoted to their highest level of incompetence. Have you ever had a boss that should have stayed on the line? We just, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not nodding my head, but I, you know, yeah, I can think of four. And we want it to just continue. We just want it to perpetuate. We want it to go on. It's almost like we think we won. Now we're owed a win. Now we think we will be victorious. But the goal is faithfulness, not success, The goal is honoring God, not being prosperous. The goal is walking in the will of God, whatever that means, so that God is honored and the kingdom is advanced. And when you set your sights on being successful, and I will tell you, I like to win. I like to be successful. I like for it to go well. I like momentum. I like to see things move forward. But one win doesn't guarantee another one, and one open door doesn't mean they're all going to stay open. And you can get sloppy and lazy and entitled by open doors. How many are hearing what I'm saying? Open doors don't last forever. They don't stay open forever. Verse 6, everything begins to change. I mean, they go from, "Woo, we had revival. Let's go to the next town. We're ready to do it again. Let's go do it again. Paul and his companions traveled to the region of Phrygia and Galatia have been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know how those doors shut. I just know that after a great victory, things quit working. The methods and the effort that they put forth was no longer producing the same result. And there was a quickening of the spirit, a checking of the spirit that God wouldn't allow them to go. It's like, but it worked here, it ought to work there. It worked that time, it ought to work this time. Is this connecting with anybody this morning? Do you understand what I'm talking about? It seems as though wow, we were doing really good and family was great and and the gatherings were wonderful and the job promotions kept coming and now it just seems like everything has gone in the toilet. Nothing's working. God isn't given us freedom. There's no open doors. We can't go in there. And then they came to the board of Mysia, tried to enter Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they went down To Troas, passed by Mishia and went down to Troas. Now, here's what's happening. They have a job to do and they need to meet with the churches in those areas, but those doors aren't open and they're not able to fulfill the mandate from the Jerusalem church, and the Spirit of God is no longer blessing and you don't know what to do. Why is it not working anymore? Why doesn't it work? Why are these doors shutting? Well, They head to Troas. Troas is in the northwest corner of Asia. They're now at the end of where they can go. There's nowhere else to go except to jump into the ocean. There's nowhere to go. There's no other places to visit. Every door seems shut. Everything they've tried seems to fail. Has anybody in the house ever been there? Anybody. The rest of you just walk from victory to victory and glory to glory. No, I know what it's like. It just isn't working. Why isn't this working? Why is this so frustrating? Why is my life so difficult? Well, listen, those closed doors are clearly closed by God in this context. You see, you have to recognize that God closes doors. He doesn't just open them. Sometimes he closes them. And the most frustration that I've had, that people have had come for counseling, it's it's I've tried all these things and it doesn't work. That door keeps shutting. This door keeps shutting. I don't know what to do. Sometimes God is shutting doors in order to lead you somewhere. Closed doors are intended to keep you moving forward. They're not intended to stop you. And when doors are shutting, yes, look for another one. And if it's locked, look for another one. Keep moving forward because in the will of God, God has a purpose for you, something he wants you to do. So let me just be straight up. Suppose you're leading a home group and nobody comes. I'm just going to sit here. Nobody wants to come to my house. No, you need to be smarter than that. Make some friends and invite them. Pay them if you must. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Where did that come from? Maybe God wants you to... <sighs> got to be really careful here. Maybe... God wants you to grow up and try something new. Maybe he wants to move you into a new level of trust, into a new level of faith, and that will never happen if he doesn't start shutting some doors. So you don't sit down and say, "Well, I'm not doing anything. I'm done." You decide, "God, there must be something else." And if you close that door and you close the next one, and you close the next one, I'm going to keep looking for open doors. God shuts some doors, not to stop you, but to keep you moving. When they come to Troas, and now he doesn't know what to do. Nothing opens. He comes to Troas, and God says, you really are stuck, aren't you? And he gives him a vision. There's nothing like getting a fresh vision from God on the heels of several closed doors. You see, this doesn't just apply to church life. It also applies to the work world that you live in because God wants us to be salt and light, not in the walls of the church, but in the pathways of the world. We're to be salt and light. And when when we do the things that honor him, he will bless and impact the lives of the others. One of the businessmen in our church said, we owe it to God to be profitable and successful with our business endeavors that doesn't mean you want to have closed doors and setbacks but our goal is God what door do we want me to walk through that will open ministry to touch someone else's life that God's moving you and after all these closed doors they don't know where they're going to go then Paul has a vision now watch this it's a vision of a man in Macedonia who says come and help us And it says, this is really important. I want you to tune in right here. We concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. He didn't have a vision of them. He had a vision of a man. So once you have the vision, you need to let God interpret the vision. Because they could have gone with that vision, a word from God and say, there's a man in Macedonia that needs our help. Let's go find him. And the door to the gospel in Europe would never have opened because they'd have been looking for a man that needed help. Are you seeing that? What happens is, God, I saw the vision, now I need you to tell me what the vision means. And they saw a man who represented Europe, and this man is saying, come over and help us, and we knew assuredly that God had called us to preach the gospel to them, which was Paul's calling, not just to maintain or administrate or superintend over the churches of been planted, but the calling on his life was new territory, new ground, new churches, and every closed door. Watch this. Every closed door, if you look on the map, moved him closer to his calling. It didn't move him farther away. Every closed door moved him closer to his calling, and that was to take the gospel to Europe. We knew assuredly. Now, I don't know how you are. I know that if I had that kind of vision from God, I'm going to expect some great success. Oh man, it's going to be like it was in the beginning of chapter 16. <laughs> Because Paul obviously was writing that at the time and he looked back at 16 and not at all. I'm kidding. It's going to be like it was. No, 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 no. New doors always bring new challenges. New doors bring new opportunities. It's not an opportunity to reclaim the past. Can't tell you how many Christians are so frustrated because they're trying to recapture the glory of 1950 or 1960 or 1970. God is not wanting us to go back and reclaim what we had 20 years ago. God's wanting us to reclaim what he has for us tomorrow. Is there anyone in the house? I'm telling you that there are new challenges, there are new opportunities, there are new doors to be knocked on. New New doors to open and God is going to do that. But you have to hear from him and then let him interpret what he has shown you. New doors bring new challenges. Now remember, God closes some doors. They come to Troas, go to Neapolis. We sail to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city in that district we stayed there several days. (laughs) I think that's the most frustrating phrase in this whole story. God, you gave me a vision. You told us to come. We have the assurance. We get here, and it feels a lot like it did when you were shutting those doors several days with nothing going on. See, God's timing's always perfect, And when he's spoken to you, don't doubt that. Hold on to it. God will bring to pass what he has promised. You've got to just continue to walk in your relationship to him. And God sent us here for what? Obviously, right now, we don't know. We can't see it. We don't know what this is about. But we're going to sit here and wait. I imagine one of them said, did we miss it again? Paul, are you sure? Did you really hear from God? What makes you think that people would say that? Because I'm a pastor. And I hear people say that all the time. Are you sure this is what we should do? Are you sure this is the right way? Are you sure you didn't miss it? I'm never sure of anything. Other than God is in control and that he loves me. Why were they waiting there? It says then that on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. And I thought, why, why? Why would you go down to the river and expect to find a place of prayer? Where did that come from? Did a little research, and what's interesting to me is that God sent them not to the major cities where there were already Jewish synagogues. They could have gone to a number of places, but Jews in that area were there either because of oppression, business opportunities had been enslaved, and the Gentiles discovered that Jews were really difficult because they resisted, watch this, they resisted working on the Sabbath, they refused to eat um, defiled food, and many of the Jews were set free because they were so difficult. (laughs) Is anybody hearing me now? You don't get freedom from compromise. You get freedom when you stand fast for truth. I'm going to say something here, We may or may not agree, and I'm going to test it on you. But I had a ministry friend said to me the other day, "What do you think the biggest challenge is facing the assemblies of God right now that could lead to our downfall?" And I'm going to tell you what I believe it is. And Carol and I were talking about this this morning. Our tent is too big. We are so we are so enamored with growth that we are relaxing our convictions to make more room for people inside the tent. And when you lose your identity, when you lose who you are, you end up losing the edge that brought you to the place God wanted you to be. And I had a friend who started a church, and he said, boy, when you came to our church, knew if you wanted boys' ministries, we had it. If you wanted a choir, we had it. Whatever you want, we had it. We didn't know who we were. And here's what I have to say to you. We have defined the culture of Berean. What is it? It's an outward focus that we're gonna reach people with the gospel because this is a place where families have fun. We're committed to experiential worship. So if you want to sit and just sing quietly, With your hands in your lap. That's not who we are. We're committed to outreach, which means we're going to have a better online presence. We want connect groups. We're going to do all of those kinds of things. And if that's not what you want, I'm just telling you, we're not changing to accommodate you. There is another church down the road that will accommodate you. God's identified in this place who we should be. Is that making sense? Let me give you an example. I had a couple that visited here, older couples, several years ago. And I was talking to them after the second service in the lobby, and they said, we love the music, we love the preaching, we loved everything, but uh, you start at, um, what time do we start second service? 10.45? And they said, we're used to going to church at 11. And so if you'll start at 11, we'll keep coming. I didn't say this but I fought it. Give me some time and I'll give you a directory of churches that start at 11. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When your tent becomes so broad that you relax your convictions, you're diminished by your growth. You're made smaller by getting bigger. And there's a danger of that in how we do ministry. And Paul is is recognizing, the scripture is letting us see here that there are places all over Europe where they were releasing Jews because they were too dogmatic in their faith. If you want freedom from slavery, don't compromise with your captor. Stand fast in your faith, and he will bring freedom to you. Now, in those communities, they had to have at least 10 men gathered together to form a synagogue. And there are a lot of places where that hadn't happened. They could have gone to some of the cities like Salamis on Cyprus, uh, Pisidian Antioch, Iconium, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens... Corinth, Ephesus, all of those he could have gone to, but God called him to Philippi, and there was no synagogue there, and so if you wanted to find God-fearers, people who were looking for God, there were prayer groups that would gather. You didn't look for the synagogue, you looked for a prayer group, and they often met by river if there was one through town. So they had every expectation, let's go down to the river, let's go down to the river, So they go down there on their way. They find a group of women that are seeking God. And God opens a door for the gospel to be shared. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart. But God, I thought there'd be a crowd. I thought there'd there'd be a multitude. You see... The other thing the church has to remember is that God's harvest isn't gathered in by a combine it's hand-picked. He cares for lost people one at a time. Come on. Every soul matters to God. It's not our job to, wow, that was successful. There were 1,500 people. Well, how many people were impacted for the kingdom? Because every soul matters to God. And so now, after that happens, God's opened this door. It doesn't seem like a big one. Um, Every soul has eternal value. Second, I want you to know that the devil can always be defeated. (laughs) Verse 16. Once, when they were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She found Paul and the rest of them shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved, the way of salvation. She kept this up for many days. She's shouting. She's singing accolades. She's encouraging. These are men of the Most High God. And Paul turns and says to her, in the name of Jesus Christ I command you to come out of her. At that moment the spirit left her. Here's what I need you to understand at this juncture. God closes some doors, you need to close some doors. He's not going to close doors that that you can close. What door need to be closed here? This was a founding of the early church, the gospel going to Europe. And here's a demon-possessed girl who's involved in fortune-telling witchcraft, however you want to describe it, who is talking as though she's a God-fearer. And if Paul doesn't confront her, what's going to happen? She's going to mix that witchcraft and Satanism, darkness, whatever you want to call it, with this Christian faith and create a syncretism that will destroy it. You talk today about Chrislam and the blend of Christianity and Islam. I want to tell you that you blend Christianity with witchcraft. And you've got what happens in many parts of Latin America today. There gets to be a strange admixture. There are some doors that you need to shut. This would have been tragic for the early church. The devil has to be identified and insulated against. And church, I just want to warn you today that there are many false prophets in the world today. And it's time for the church to rise up and say, everybody isn't right. And just because they name Jesus and have a big ministry and are dominating the media, listen to what they say, listen to what the spirit of God has. And would to God that the juvenile infant church in the, in America, would grow up and develop a little bit of discernment and be able to recognize that that's wrong. But we're the most gullible people on the planet when it comes to deception and false prophets. Huh. A number of years ago, when I was brash and bold, I went to a full gospel businessmen's meeting. How many remember full gospel businessmen? Anybody remember those days? Oh, yeah. I went for the pie. And I'm there, and they're having worship. And a bunch of guys, some from my church, are gathered around this guy. And he's talking about all these revelations God's given to him in this group that he prays with. And I walked up, and I just, in my spirit, felt like something was really off. And I said, so you're meeting with a group to pray? Oh, yeah, yeah. We talk, and God gives us revelation and I said, um, who are they? Well, they just come. Well, how many are in the room at the time? Well, I'm the only one in the room, but they come. So when they all get there, how many are in the room? Well, I'm the only one in the room. Is anybody catching on to what he was describing? It was a seance, basically. It was a, he was communicating with, with foul spirits, And nobody in the room had any sense of what was going on. And I said to him, I mean, there are people standing around. I said, you are not a follower of Christ. You're being overwhelmed by demons. And I'm asking you to come to my office tomorrow. And I guarantee one of us will not walk out of there the same. Let's settle this right now and see what Jesus will do. And everybody else is like, okay, let's go have pie. what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that there are times you need to shut some doors. Some things are not okay. Don't dialogue with the devil. Don't listen to every voice. Not every one of them are Christ's voice. Oh, but they, but they lead in the sinner's prayer. Oh, but they quote scripture. Come on, grow up, get some discernment. It's time for the church in an age of ongoing deception to shut the door on some things. Yes and when? You say, well, I don't know. Well, if you're listening and something inside you felt wrong, shut that door. It's not going to hurt you to walk away. Is any, anybody getting what I'm saying? You need to shut some doors. You need to shut some doors. How in the world does a pianist at the Assemblies of God church leave the Assemblies of God church and go to a Mormon church? because they didn't know how to shut any doors. They didn't know how to shut any doors. All this happened in old line It's where I went to grad school. It's what I call my experience there. I'm sitting in a barber chair. The guy has sharp instruments in his hands. He said, I'm a Christian, and I speak in tongues. Kind of sounds like our tribe, doesn't it? I love Jesus, and I speak in tongues. But he said, every night, there's a spirit that appears on my second-story window, and it asked me to step out and walk with him. <laughs> I'm, I, put down the sharp instruments. I don't want to rattle this guy. I would like to live through this moment. And I said, so where do you go to church? He said, I'm a Mormon. I said, you are praying in a demonic tongue. And you are inviting a foul spirit to come against your, um, your life. And there's only one way for you to get rid of that. You need to renounce Mormonism in all its forms. You need to renounce that demonic tongue. Ask Jesus to forgive you of his sins. Wash you in his blood. And then ask Jesus to give you a fresh tongue. And, and drive that spirit off. And he said, well, I'll think about it. Someone else came in. We quit talking. I left. About a month later, I was back, and he said, it worked. <laughs> what worked? He said, I did that night exactly what you said. I repented of Mormonism. I repented of that demonic tongue. I repented of everything I'd been taught wrong, and I asked Jesus, whew, Is there anybody in the house right now? I asked Jesus to come into my heart, to wash me in his blood and make me new. And I prayed in a brand new language, and that spirit, that thing has never been back. Shut the door! Shut the door! There's some things you need to shut the door on. God will shut some things. You need to shut some things. Now, you're ready, and I'm just about done. No, I'm not. You might have to go to jail to reach a jailer. (laughs) You might have to go to jail to reach a jailer because the devil will shut some doors. All they've done is delivered this girl, this demon-possessed girl, and everybody gets mad they're upset. Paul and Silas get thrown into prison, stripped and beaten with rods, (laughs) severely flogged. I mean, how's that to the pastor appreciation day? Didn't go so well that year. They're in prison. Where'd that come from? Fasten their feet in stocks. But what do Paul and Silas do? They complain, they whine. Where is God when it matters? Why wasn't he here to help us? Do you, I don't know if I believe in him anymore. You cupcake. At midnight, beaten, in stocks, flogged, they begin to sing praise. I said they began to sing praise. Suddenly the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains came loose. What a revival. The jailer woke up. He saw the doors open. He drew his sword about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. And if they escaped under his watch, Rome would have would have assassinated him. And Paul said, do not harm yourself. We're all here. That's the miracle. The doors are open. The chains are off. None of the prisoners move. The devil locked Paul out and God left him locked up because there was a jailer that needed the gospel. There were prisoners that needed to see the power of God. They needed to see that the same bondages that put them in jail could be liberated by the Jesus that Paul preached. What an incredible object lesson. And when sometimes the devil shuts a door, just look around for a jailer that needs Jesus. Ooh, that's good stuff. That'll preach. I wish someone who knew how to preach would say that. You ought to be dancing right now. A locked prison door released a jailer from his prison. God unlocked the prison door when the job was done. Well, it's not fair. I didn't do anything wrong. And they, they won't promote me. They won't, they won't let me do anything. The church doesn't respect me. Nobody gives me an opportunity. I don't know why I'm stuck here. Well, it might be if you look around. There might be a jailer. That's right. Yeah, it's not fair. Life, if you don't know this, what I'm going to say next is worth coming for. Life isn't fair. You can put all the platitudes you want on your refrigerator and it doesn't change the effect, doesn't change the truth. Life isn't fair. And sometimes in the moment, in the moment, it looks like the devil won. And he did when he beat them. He did when they were flogged. He did win when they're put in stocks. He did win when they're put in the inner chamber, or so he thought. Sorry, I'm a Carmen fan. It may seem like Friday night, but Sunday's on the way. They can crucify him. They can mock him and spit on him, put him in an empty tomb, seal it and put guards there and say he's never coming out. But Sunday always comes for the child of God. The stone will roll away, the chains will fall off, and men and women will hear the gospel message because even when the devil shuts the door, God just locked you in with somebody that needs Jesus. That needs to be our goal. That needs to be our focus. Pastor Nathan, if you'd come. Take this, just grab this this morning. Closed doors are never intended by God to stop you. When you're facing closed doors, they're never intended by God to stop you. They're intended to move you. They're intended to move you. And if you follow that, you will see the blessing of God because God is in control of every closed door. He works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Sometimes he lets those doors slam in your face. Every head bowed, every eye closed i don't know who's here i don't know who this is for but i just need you to acknowledge that you're in this place this morning and you would say pastor i'm in that place where i have been frustrated i don't know what to do it seems like everything i try goes bad every door slam shut but i'm going to begin this morning to trust god and move into the place that he wants me to be if that's where you are frustrated with closed doors i just want you to know that god is talking to you this morning And watch you move, hold up your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you. Let's spend some time, everyone. Let's stand together and let's worship. We worship the God of open doors. Can we worship the God of closed doors? That sometimes he closes them to move us into a new place of blessing. Let's worship him together.
1: Who breaks the power a sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the king of glory, the king above all kings. Who shakes the whole I sing for all that you've done for me, oh, all that you've done for me, Lord. glories the king of the glory the king above all
2: a good man or woman are ordered of the Lord. He's in charge of open doors and he's in charge of closed doors. Let's trust him no matter what. Amen. If you love Jesus, let me hear your hands this morning. Before you go, just two things I want to say again. Thank you so much your financial support. I know we don't have worship. I mean, offering is part of worship, but I don't ever want to lose the sense that giving is part of worship. So whenever you do that, that's a worship offering to God and we appreciate your financial support. However you do that, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And secondly, this would be a great opportunity in a moment, if you have not yet signed up for a home group to go into the lobby or Dial up on your phone or your digital device, bereanhub.com slash 411. bereanhub.com slash 411. And you'll see a link. Either way, let's do it today. Get in a home group. It just might be your helicopter and the last thing that comes by. Amen. God
3: bless you. Love somebody today.